the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me as always is uh, editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. Trev, uh, hot off the heels of your uh, speed test yesterday for uh, the yeah. launch of um, Adidas's MyCoach Speed Cell. Talk us through it. You're up against Sydney FC Scott Jameson. Yeah, they had a, a typically low-key Adidas event. You know, you, you know what they're like. So they, they had uh, the sports centre at the Olympic Park hired out with AstroTurf laid down, lights, cameras, photographers and what have you. So you could do a sp- speed t- trial in the new F50 boot which has a my coach um cell with inside it which is bafflingly brilliant what it can do <laughs> in terms of it can measure your speed and your distance and basically you can put it in your boot and you can play each you know week and load up your results afterwards compare it with your mates compare it with Lionel Messi um and compare it with Trevor Trahan was the was the case yesterday because <laughs> I came down stuck on the boots and um had a bit of a run around in them and and so did Sydney FC's Scott Jamison and we we had a a speed test, um, which he won. The professional, the, that Not young, sprightly professional footballer who plays a left wing for Sydney. As he's spelling though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, he clocked, he, he clocked something like you know twenty twenty six point two kilometers per hour, and I was back at twenty three. Um, so yeah, but on the face of it, that a, doesn't a, sound that bad. But, yeah, but then when you actually work it out, that's. He's getting nearly a meter ahead of you every second. Yeah, but if you if you watch him, like you can just sense, you can watch him. Uh, you know, you just yeah, everything from the tent, everything from the fact that he struggled to slow down at the end <laughs> because he was going so quick. You uh, you get a fair impression. So yeah, a little bit sore today actually. Must have only run 120 yards in all. But... Excellent. Well, I think I think the I think lots of the boots are out here yet. I think they're out here in the new season. Yeah. The new season, so it's February, but it's pretty cool. So. Um, yeah, Keir will keep you posted on uh, on this as the new technology comes in. But anyway, let's get on with uh, the real football, played by real footballers. <laughs> um, week eight, round eight of the A-League, kicked off with uh, with a nil-nil draw. Adelaide United's uh, stumbling form continued with a nil-nil draw against Newcastle. Uh, Dario Vinicic obviously uh, had to come off. Uh, we'll talk more about that injury saga. Um, but Trev, disappointing result really for both teams. Well, yeah, I mean, Newcastle going into it on the, on the back of a hideous away record. Um, Adelaide, you know, I think we were saying last week, it would be so, you know, really strongly fancy to, to kick off things there. But um, a game being cut down to, you know, another game where we're seeing a, a team cut down to 10 men, in, in this case, Adelaide. Um, you'd, you'd still have to say that they're the type of games where, you know, they need to be winning, you know, home to one of the poorest teams on the road going for an Adelaide team that you'd expect to be chasing for well, what the A-League is now is the chase for second spot isn't it <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it certainly appears that way in many ways and you feel that Adelaide should be you know there or thereabouts so um, I mean just despite the fact that there was a red card I still think they'll come away disappointed from that well Nigel Bugar backed up from uh, scoring the equaliser against Adelaide to then uh, getting sent off in this game it was just a stupid red wasn't it I mean he's yeah. already on a yellow and then just just mad off to the referee. I mean, what what, is, what does he expect to happen? Yeah, I mean, the whole point of the yellow card is that it, it's a warning. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know you're know, you on your last chance. So. And I'm still yet to see a referee go, ooh, 
Now you've argued vociferously, I'm actually going to change that decision. Yeah. Well, that was a Brian Clough thing. He used to say, didn't he? No referee has ever changed his mind. So, yeah. you know, why bother? All right. Well, the Jets had, you know, had a couple of chances late to win it. Most notably, um, Labino Oliti, who was on for Franny Jeffers, um, had a clear header. Probably should have done better with it. And uh, yeah. that would have really uh, heaped the pressure on Winnie Coolan. But... Um, as it is, uh, a draw, not really a, a great result for either side. Um, the Mariners uh, took care of Melbourne Hart, uh, 3-1. Uh, controversial penalty call, helping their cause. Uh, Matt Simon put the Mariners in front with a, can we call it an, an overhead kick? More like a sort of round-the-shoulder yeah, sort of Yeah, I mean, kick. he was given enough time and space to do pretty much what he wanted in the in the box. Um, you know, you felt that might be the type of goal they might take the lead from, but um, I just don't feel the pressure was on him. You know, when because it, it was a fairly smart finish, you yeah. know, back to goal to spin round and uh, and hit him, but you just felt that the heart defence should have done more as the ball was coming across, and then you know, as Simon had it. Well, Babao's gotten back into the game in the seventy-eighth minute, and uh, but then uh, in the eighty-first minute, refereeing reared its head again. Um, with a controversial... Did you think it was controversial? I mean, obviously Hart will say that it appeared to hit him on the shoulder. It's that grey area is where does your shoulder end and where does your arm begin? Yeah. Can we forgive the referee for this one? No. Oh. No, I think it's, no. About, I think it's an awful decision. Really? Yeah, I, don't, I didn't think it was... Um, I didn't think that was fair at all. Um, so where does your shoulder stop and your arm begin? You well, he's certainly more the chest, wasn't it, really? I mean, it was sort of... You know, bang on his chest plate. I don't think that um, you know you could claim that that was you know shoulder at all. I think that's you know really hard, especially for them to get back into the game like that and then have you know have it torn away from them so quickly. But I mean, we often talk about the standard of referee we have every season, but it it, it feels this season we're talking about it more than ever before. Which seems yeah, a I mean, we, like, but uh, as we said last week, this, this isn't unique to the A League. I mean, we'll talk about the Premier League later. No. We'll talk about the decision at Old Trafford. You know, um, it, it's uh, it appears to be an issue throughout, and I, and I guess it's you know really the only thing that is going to stop us talking about this is is video technology to overrule these poor, poor calls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, is, is this uh, John Van Skip's talked about this fear factor from his players? Was this another example of this? I mean, got themselves back in the game, not then able to sort of, you know, hang on for that one-one draw. There was always that, you know, is that that fear factor that, oh, you know, we've got back into the game, but we're still in we trouble. Could, yeah, you know, we still could lose the, this. I mean, perhaps, but I think that the things transpired against them because they had a bit of a, a poor decision, but. You know, they did enough to get, you know, to, to be behind, to concede when they did, and then to, you know, to keep on chipping away to get a goal 12 minutes in time, away to, you know, the second best team in the league, you could say. Um, shows a bit of character and, and didn't seem to me to be that, you know, fearful a, a performance. And, and they should be, you know, they should have more confidence. They were, they were on a decent run heading into that game. Um, so, no, I, I don't see as much of that as as what John Van Schip, you know, claimed earlier in the season. Okay. Well, Brisbane's uh, unbeaten record was in danger for, oh, twen- yeah. for 22 minutes. They were on the back foot, weren't they? And by 41 minutes, it was all over as it was 4-0. Um, I mean, they just swept Perth aside, really, didn't they? I mean, it, was, it was never really in doubt. I mean, some of the football, you know, they, they, and, and I guess what was nice about it was the fact that they, they didn't bumble over the line with a, with a scrappy draw. No. They cruised over the line with a fantastic performance, you know, and some of the football 
was fantastic. You know, yeah. exactly what we've come to know them for. Um, you know, Barisha with two goals, Nakajima Ferran with two goals, some neat finish, some fantastic passing football. Yeah. Nearly 20,000 there, which was excellent. Good to see the, uh, the crowd turn out to see it. Um, you, you'd sort of hope that there might be more there than that, but, um, but yeah, still a great turnout from the, uh, from the Brisbane faithful. Um, it, it, and that no sign of the, of, um, the run ending anytime soon. Not really, no. It, it was interesting to hear some of um, Barisha's comments about quite how much he's enjoying himself because the, the first goal that Thomas Brush perfection pass. Right. But why was, wouldn't you enjoy it? Be you'd be having your time of your life. Team. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's, you know, he, he's obviously a very good player in his own right, but getting to be at the front of that team when they're so confident, they're playing so well, and I'll say that Thomas Brushball across the box, just perfectly the distance away from the Perth players that they couldn't get it and perfectly curling into what was an easy finish for him. Yeah, you'd, you'd be having, your, you know, the time of your life getting to play in that team. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised he's so pleased. And the run, the run continues, and I guess the question that we probably need to ask ourselves now, or maybe it's a bit too early, I mean, after eight games, is can they do an Arsenal? Are we going to be talking about the Invincibles going the whole season undefeated and winning the, winning the double again? Well, when you look back on last season, it was a surprise they lost that game, really, wasn't it? It was a 3-0 away to victory. Was, that was it, wasn't it? And that was while the team was still sort of, you know, bedding in. Yeah, look, I mean, there's every reason to think that, you know, they could go. I, I do think they've had a couple of scares this season, haven't they? I thought the Jets played well against yeah. them and, you know, they couldn't break down victory. And even Wellington, you know, gave them a really good go as well. So you, you have to feel that perhaps there'll be a game where, um, you know, They'll get the you know the raw keeper will get sent off three minutes in and they'll struggle to close out. So I, I still think that they'll they're going to slip up once somewhere this season. All right, Sydney FC continued they continued to struggle um, with their trips over the Tasman. Uh, it's not been a particularly happy hunting ground for them. Um, they got went down two one Wellington Phoenix. Uh, Paul Eiffel back in the starting lineup, back on the score sheet. Um, I must admit that my first thing with this was um, where was Liam Meddy? Yeah. You know, long ball over the top that it, Paul Eiffel ends up connected. His first touch is well into the penalty box. Yeah. You know, where the, surely the keeper should be sweeping that up. Yeah, exactly. It was a pretty easy finish once he got himself in position, didn't he? You Makes sure such a feel. I think it was Boschart that it went over his head that his immediate feeling was the, the weight that was on the ball was that that's the keep. That's going to be the keepers. Yeah, know? he makes such a difference, though, doesn't he, Paul Eiffel? And yeah, we're, oh, we're obviously absolutely. big fans of him, have been from the start. But just the whole dynamic, not just his performance, but the whole dynamic of the team seems different when you know when he's playing. And and Sydney um, have lost their last couple of games, but I actually think they've been a little bit flat in their last couple of games. Score, score. You know, they've only lost by the odd goal each time, but they've been. Um, you know, outplay quite comprehensively. But again, you know, they they keep giving sides two goal yeah, starts. Yeah. It doesn't exactly. matter what level you play at, you're yeah. always going to struggle. And we should. Um, prob- I mean, let's talk about Tim Brown. I was going to say we should probably Tim acknowledge Brown's that second. wonder goal. Uh, you know, again, I mean, you can look at Liam Reddy's clearance where he was under pressure, and did he get back on his line quick enough? But it was a hell of a strike. <laughs> yeah, like, came down with snow on it. Yeah, you've only got to look at the the players that have scored those types of goals around the world to realise quite how hard it is to do. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty special. Yeah, um, Bruno got them back into the game, but they they just 
got my foothold back in with a with a bit of a miss hit, but um, <laughs> but yeah, they couldn't uh, couldn't get the equaliser. They, uh, they have looked better when they've brought Bruno on, and you know that slightly more attacking way. Maybe they should start more like that. I don't know. Yeah, uh, victory, Melbourne victory. Uh, we talked at length uh, last week about the uh, the horror run for victory or horror week they were having um, off the field. Uh, they got back on the pitch and took a big step towards uh, getting the season back on track with a 3-2 win over bottom place Gold Coast. Uh, it wasn't without its incident, though. Um, Trev, talk us through it. <laughs> you could say that, yeah. It was look, another fantastic game. Victory getting themselves, you know, two up. Two penalties, though, it has to be said. I, I read a tweet at the time that half of Victory's goals this season at that point had come from the penalty spot, um, you know, w- which sort of says that they're still some way from clicking. Um, then... Well, talk about stupid sending-offs. The Vargas sending-off at home, 2-0 up. Um, it was completely unnecessary, wasn't it? I, I don't quite know. I know he's a committed player, but he's also an experienced player that should know exactly what he's doing. So that was a bizarre moment. And I still felt that, that Victory would kind of hold off Gold Coast. The, the, the fact that Gold Coast sort of you know, roared back all bit against 10 men so quickly, I think, was a, a bit of a worry for Victory. And then you've got Thompson and Hernandez, two quality players, linking up for the winner. Um you know, really, really great scenes at victory. I mean, how much did that third goal mean to them? They were, they were going. Carlos, you know, rising at the far post. Yeah, like a majestic salmon. It, he's not, you know, but, but some tweeted a picture of him, and he gets a bit of stick for his fitness levels, shall I say? Um, but yeah, he looks in, in reasonable nick this season. I don't think that's. Yeah, I was, I was surprised when because on the pitch he, he looks a big guy, but mm. also looks quite a tall guy. I was surprised when I met him at the. Uh, a-League Awards a couple of years ago. He's, at, he's not very tall either. You know, no. it's, uh, it's funny how you, when you meet people in real life. Um, so a critical win, uh, late winner from Hernandez. Uh, obviously, Harry Kuehl, uh stepped up to take the first penalty. Great penalty as well. To, uh, to make his mark and get, off the, uh, get onto the score sheet. Do you think him and Hernandez are rotating penalties? Because Hernandez took the first one in, in previous weeks, and there's Harry. Then it went back to Hernandez during the game. So I don't know if they're... They're going to rotate all season. Well, maybe Harry had done what he wanted to do with the first one. <laughs> yeah. And Hernandez is the regular penalty taker, but after the sort of week that Victory had had and Harry sort of splitting with Bernie and bringing his own coach, maybe he just wanted to make a statement and mm. just, uh, you know, just slot one in. I mean, still, for, for Victory's point of view, you know, they were still hosting the bottom team and they still had two penalties. And all right, they went down to 10 men, but... Do you know what I mean? It wasn't the performance where you thought, right, they're really clicking and it's coming together and they're they're a force now. It's it's an essential win um, that kind of you know keeps the wall from the door a little bit. But they're, they're still not there or thereabouts. Well, when the tougher teams come to town, it, it's going to be hard for them. And then Miron's job apparently in trouble now, which is a bit of a surprise. Because well, like Clive Palmer's come out and backed him. Well, they're mates, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're really close, aren't they? So and he said that you know he's, he knew that he was going to be blooding some of the young players yeah. and. Uh, he's happy with what he's doing, doesn't feel he's that far away from getting it right and still thinks they'll qualify for the finals. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't, that sort of confidence. I don't think they're that far from getting it right. You know, they're not getting mauled, are they? No. Right. Uh, all right, so that round eight leaves the uh, ladder looking like this. Brisbane Raw are top, played eight, 20 points. Central Coast Mariners are now three points clear in second. Uh, behind them, Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory both on 11 points. Newcastle and Perth on 10 uh, then we have Melbourne Heart, Wellington Phoenix and Adelaide on nine points and Gold Coast four points adrift on five. That completes uh, 
Round eight. That's all for our part one. Uh, we will be back in part two to look at some of the news headlines um, that have obviously been dominated this week by the uh, unfortunate death of, uh, of Gary Speed, and we'll have our say on that after the break. The December issue of 442 magazine is on sale now. Inside is a special report on the reignited Manchester rivalry as Man U and Man City do battle for the EPL title. We speak to Ashley Young and Sergio Aguero about the contest. Elsewhere, we interview misfiring Chelsea striker Fernando Torres, catch up with Socceroo hotshot Josh Kennedy, plus interview Han Berger, Tony DiRigo and Billy Mamet. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. Uh, before we get on to uh, the news headlines from, uh, from Australia and overseas, let's first uh, just talk, Trev, about the uh, untimely death of uh, Welsh manager and uh, Premier League player Gary Speed, just 42. Mm. Um, tragic, really, and you know, just could still you know, nearly a week later, just appears so senseless. No one, people that know him well, people, you know, just struggling to find any sort of... Uh, yeah, reason for this. Yeah, I mean, he, the understanding is he didn't have a history with problems of you know depression or anything, which might have led to a, to what happened. And you know, on the outside looking in, he had everything going for him. You know, had a you know family, he was a successful manager, successful player. You know, in good health, and he seemed in good spirits. Um, Andy Mitten, who's the four four two journalist, who actually turned out doing done the last ever interview of him. That and this is what's bizarre. We sent the interview of him to press last right. week. It, it comes out next week. Um, and he was saying he, he seemed fine, and he was he was emphasising you know how important family was to him and what have you. So I mean, it, it, as far as shocks go, it, it doesn't get you know. Much I mean, I got, I got up on Monday morning to watch the Villa game, which I'd recorded from one a.m. the night before, and mm. it was like five in the morning. And I was fast-forwarding through to the kickoff, and I saw a, the minute silence going. I thought, oh, I'll rewind and see what's happened. Mm. I couldn't believe it. No. I was like, I, and my first thought was it must have been a car crash or something. Yeah. You know, like, because as you say, it's just on face value, you know, that, he had everything to live for. You know, young guy, um, family, happy, you know. So I guess, yeah, the, the, the word there is, you know, you just never know what's going on in people's lives. And uh, obviously on the website, you know, we've, we've called for potentially the FFA to maybe have a, you know, a Beyond Blue round uh, to raise awareness of this and potentially raise funds, and I think that would be a, a fantastic initiative. I, I mean, it's very important for for any player, regardless of of where they're playing, but it it should be quite a, an important thing for for protecting our Australian players because it's a pretty tough. You know, what what they do at a young age. You know, most of them relocate to Europe. You know, um, often as teenagers, and then have to sort of, you know, build up a career from there. So you would imagine there's a lot of stress. You know, just being an Aussie player going to make it overseas, so it's it's quite important that you know our players are are aware that there is help out there if they if they do feel like that. I think as well, you know, the important thing is, is that you know the, that yes, they're footballers. Yes, most of them are very very handsomely paid and have all the trappings of wealth and whatever. But beneath that is still a human being that is you know susceptible to the same pressures and stresses and self doubt that that we all are. You know, and, and I guess you know. The way I was thinking about it over the week, you know, about the people that, that actively boo and berate players and mm. that even on their own side, you know, and it's like, I mean, um, yes, they're very well paid, but how many people, you know, have 
go to work and might have a slight off day in the office. Mm. Imagine leaving the office and getting booed by 50,000 people yeah. and your kids getting abused at school because you had a bad day in the office, you know. And I think it's easy to forget the fact that, you know, they are still people and, and are susceptible to that. Yeah, and, and depression doesn't discriminate against people. Depression is not interested in how much money you've got in the bank. Yeah. Like, it, it affects, you know, successful footballers and then lawyers and, you know, people who have got plenty of money and live in comfort it's not it's not about that it would be the same as saying if someone that you know player had some other kind of you know illness for example say they were you know suffering from cancer or something you turn around and said you know how can they get cancer they're a rich footballer it's, it's as stupid as saying that because yeah. it um it doesn't discriminate it can affect anyone so i mean you always look for something good to come out when something happens like this so uh, you know a few players have come forward and stuff for some help in the wake of it so hopefully you know some people might be helped from it well I think you know just to focus on his football career I think it's just a measure of how highly thought of he was was that fans of every single club that he's played at and fans that he's played against have all come out and uh, you know they're, they're leaving scarves and shrines at every ground and I think it was just a measure that whenever he left the club uh, he left on great terms he, he was the first Premier League player to make 500 appearances uh, and when you, you know, and it's actually made, you, when you look back over his career, he had an absolutely phenomenal career mm. without ever really playing for one of the, the, the big four. Mm. You know, he was always there or thereabouts, made 85 appearances for Wales and, and was doing a phenomenal job as Wales manager. Um, yeah, and getting them playing some impressive right football, football as well, you know, yeah. and, and we forget how recently the Socceroos played against his right. Welsh side and how complimentary he was about the Socceroos, about why he chose them as friendly opponents. Yeah. You know, and, and he said at the time, you know, I remember him saying at the time, you know, if we'd have wanted an easy ride, we wouldn't have chosen to play Australia. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's certainly tragic and, and uh, all we can do is echo uh, many people's thoughts that are just with his, uh, his family and friends uh, in what must be an awful period. So, uh, so rest in peace, Gary. All right. Let's get back to, uh, to the football. Um, the Olly Roos were in action on Sunday night uh, and are making life difficult for themselves with their third consecutive 0-0 draw uh, against Uzbekistan, which leads them uh, up against it now to qualify, Trev. Yeah, it's, it's good to have the chance to, to watch this on, on Fox. And they started so brightly, um, watching the first 10-15 minutes, started feeling genuinely confident that it, it might be... a you know, really impressive performance and result, and then things seem to plateau slightly, and we seem to, you know, really be slogging it through certain stages of the game. Um, you know, great that we're keeping it so tight at the back, but um, a, a little bit of a concern to have. You know, th- I mean, it's not very often you see a team three nil nils in a row, so you know, there there is a bit of a worry there. I mean, is you know, is, is this is this something that should be ringing the alarm bells? Um, because I guess if, you know, if we look in the A League. Mm. You know what Australian players? You know the the majority of the goal scorers in the A League are not Australian. No, 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 not not all. Even that team, you you look and you go, you know, Mitch Nichols and, and James Brown have got a chance to go on to be Socceroos. Um, you know, Jason Hoffman, who I think's okay as a A League player. I mean, I don't think anyone's calling for him to, you know. But is, it, you know, is, is this potentially a sort of gap in our development system, or are we producing sort of out and out goal scorers? Well, I, th- I think there's more concern for for this crop, isn't there? I think the, the slightly younger lads, um, people are more confident about. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was fairly uninspiring. But I mean, sometimes it happens with you know the most successful youth teams. None of them 
go on and make the team, you know, and sometimes these guys improve rapidly. You know, I think Mitch Nichols has, has been class in recent times, and I, th- I think he's genuinely a, a soccer in the making, but th- that squad isn't flowing with players to get excited about. Okay. Uh, Central Coast Mariners, not good news coming out of Gosford that they've uh, confirmed that they are in talks uh, looking for potential new investment because uh, they've run out of money. Uh, yeah. Struggling to pay the players. Um, the shirt, recent shirt sponsorship from Soccer Fives was a, was really a sort of band-aid over this, and uh, but that money's now gone pretty quickly. And um, players and staff have been warned that their salaries may not be paid on time. Not a great look. Mm, I mean, they they had that sort of completely commendable community model, um, and the, the people, you know that support the club are very passionate about it and very keen to see them succeed. But um, And they've certainly been more successful on this front than many thought when they first come into the league. I think a few people were sceptical about how successful they're going to be. So it's a real shame to see them, you know, struggling and, and they're going to need that investment, you know, pretty quick. And you'd have to wonder what the long-term plan would be. I mean, sponsorship money would be great, but... You know, once again, is that like the you know the, the soccer five deal that it's only really going to coat over the main problems? Mm. Well, look, I mean, I, let, I mean, on that long term issue, this leads us on nicely to the to the next story, which was uh, Ben Buckley uh, was on the front foot this week um, following the uh, AGM announcement that uh, Chairman Frank Lowe had been re-elected as uh, as chairman for the next four years, pretty unopposed as it turned out. Um, you know, looking at looking forward to the uh, to the next TV deal, which is going to be critical for every club. You know, in securing, uh, you would hope that the next TV deal would be enough to to underwrite the salary cap for every club um, yep. to avoid things like this, which then means you know clubs have to run their own business and sponsorship and gate revenue then goes into their sort of P and L without you know having to pay the players. The players' salary caps are taken care of. You know, he pointed to some good numbers um, that we've got, you know, the, the website traffic, the new websites that have been produced by Optus have had a, an impression, of 30% up, uh, 80,000 downloads of the new mobile apps for Socceroos and the A-League and nearly a quarter of a million fans across the FFA's various Facebook pages. All of these are good numbers. We know that the TV audience... You sounded like you. You are? You sounded like you, Ben Buckley, all the numbers, <laughs> all the numbers on the audience. Yeah, I disappoint that. Only 30%. Yeah, they try and catch up. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, a lot of what, you know, in, in I'm sure in Ben's speak and in the negotiation speak would be termed KPIs yeah. are heading in the right direction. Crowds are up. Viewing figures are up. You know, now's the time really to sort of strike. And I'm sure that, you know, discussions are already going on a, a year ahead of time. But, um, but as the Mariners' uh, predicament has shown, this, this really can't come quick enough. No, yeah, and uh, and one of the you know most interesting parts of this story, and something that a lot of people are talking about, is the expansion and if Western Sydney are going to get their team and you know who's going to be behind that bid and, and and I think for a lot of people that's you know quite important. The expansion didn't really work out very well last time with Fury falling over and Gold Coast struggling crowds-wise at least. Um, the next time that we expand it. You know, it has to go right. I think you know we have to get that Western Sydney bid completely right. Give it to the right people, and then you know give it as much support as possible to make it work. Yeah, there's also uh, a strategic vision document that was released. It's available for download from the FFA site. So I recommend everyone uh, go and have a look at that. You know, they were looking at a strategic plan to 2015, which obviously incorporates the uh, 
the next Asian Cup, which will be here. Um, and obviously the objective is to win that, but also leave a legacy. Um, looking for Australia to try and be contesting a top 10 spot in the FIFA World Rankings by that stage. Um, looking at building a My Football Club online database. And this is critical, mm, you know, yep. to have a, a usable database of everyone that plays the game in Australia, which is around a million people. Um, that would be a, a definite game changer and, and essential. You know, if you're running any sort of business, you know, your, your database is probably the most valuable thing you have. So, to look, you know, to the FFA's credit, I think there are a lot of things going in the right direction. Yeah, um, You know, we just need to capitalise on it to take away these short-term, you know, financial pressures that all clubs are under. Yeah. You know, and if we can do that, then I really think we've got a, we've got a platform to build from. Um, Gold Coast United in hot water with the PFA again. Um, PFA weren't too happy when they cancelled the contract of, uh, was it Alex Smith? Yeah. The, the centre-forward, the American. Uh, they've now done the same with, uh, with uh, Brazilian midfielder Robson, um, who has now gone to the PFA for support. Um, following his refusal to play for the club's National Youth League against Melbourne Heart. Mm. Where do we stand on this? I, I, I guess they would look at it as, uh, as gross misconduct and breach of contract, refusing to play. I mean, it's not oh, echoes of the Carlos Tevez situation. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I'd say what, there'd be some interesting negotiations to be in the middle of, wouldn't it, with, um, with Schwab versus the Clives and, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's a tricky one, really. You'd, you'd have to think that that's... You know, contract-wise or not, not really in the spirit of support the club refusing to play. You know, I mean, it's very common for players to spend some time playing in the reserves or you know, youth teams to to get their fitness up and and that sort of standard across any sort of major league. So, um, I'd, I'd want to know a little bit more about why he refused to do that. And who, you know, what football player doesn't want to play football? I mean, yeah. you'd think they'd be happy to step forward. All right, in uh, in more heartwarming news, Clint Bolton. Veteran Clint Bolton, 36 years old now, is set to play his 446th National League game this Sunday, which will make him now the fourth highest on the most games played list. So, uh, good, good on you, Clint. Uh, he's been a good servant to Australian football. Yep, top bloke, brilliant goalkeeper, and uh, yeah, no surprise that he's, he's he's managed to get that you know that far on. Takes his game very seriously, and you know they're the type of players that. You know, enjoy that longevity. He's won four caps for Socceroos. Uh, he's now behind, uh, fourth place behind Alex Tobin, Paul Trimboli, and Damian Mori. Hmm. And he's just overtaken NSL great Sergio Melter, the Adelaide City player. Okay. All right, Dean Basanis, sticking with keepers. Uh, Dean Basanis has uh, just penned a one month deal with uh, League One club Oldham. Yeah, so good to see him back in action. Twenty years old. When I saw the headline of the story, I was thinking, I wonder how long into the story before we hear that line that Rafa Benitez once said he was one of the best goalkeepers in the world at his stage, and it made it in the second paragraph because yeah. it's there that, it is. yeah, yeah, and there it, it is. It's the one thing that we keep saying about him, and I'm not saying he he won't go on to be a good goalkeeper, but um, he needs to secure a club and regular football before we start, you know, seeing him kick on, especially in, in what is a pretty competitive role for the Socceroos as well yeah in a blow to uh, Perth Glory uh, Chris Coyne's been uh, ruled out for three months with a torn Achilles tendon ouch um, which isn't going to make uh, Ian Ferguson's life any easier uh, and no. on the injury front uh, Dario Vilicic not the first Adelaide player to get himself in hot water on Twitter this season yeah. 
uh, was in trouble for for tweeting that he'd broken his back. Of all the things to, so I mean, it, it sounds bad, doesn't it? Breaking your back. Uh, and he was going to be out for indefinitely, but it turns out it's, it's not as bad as uh, was first uh, feared. And the club weren't particularly happy with him breaking the news himself no, on no. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah. Footballer in Twitter gaff shock. But, uh, you know, a lot of these things are d- debate about, you know, should players be on, on Twitter and stuff like that. But the things they're tweeting, surely common sense should tell you that they shouldn't be. T- I mean, it wouldn't take that much education to say, don't tweet injury I'm details gonna a, before. I'm going to have a chat with the club first. Yeah, before. I mean... Yeah, anyway, all right, it's, uh, it's going to be a long season on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for everyone on Twitter, Ben Buckley did rule out opening his own Twitter account. Oh, as part. It was mentioned in a strategic plan uh, press it, press conference. He so. could have got some great direct feedback from the fans. But he does, he does monitor uh, fan forums, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, How's that been treating him? Is that... Has that been right. good for his self-esteem? Yeah, all right. Oh, good. Um, so, yeah, so head over to au.442.com. We've got a nice little lively fan forum there. Keep track of everything there. Join, join Ben Buckley with some discussion. <laughs> all right. That is it for part two. We'll be back in part three. We'll return our attention to the English Premier League. Don't buy a car until you check out behindthewheel.com.au. Australia's number one radio motoring brand is now online and available to you 24-7. At behindthewheel.com.au, you can check out our huge array of car reviews with great unbiased opinions on the latest new cars. And while you're at behindthewheel.com.au, check out the latest auto industry news. It's also a great place to discuss Discuss cars and motoring with your feedback always welcome. Head there now, behindthewheel.com.au. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to turn our attention to the English Premier League now, where uh, last weekend um, saw Man City draw one all with Liverpool. Um, Ex-Evertonian, Aaron Lescott. Um, Jolian Lescott, sorry, Aaron Lescott. I'm thinking about Aaron Lennon. <laughs> Jolian Lescott with an own goal uh, that cancelled out Vincent Kompany's opener. Um, Trev? Yep. Chinking Man City or, you know, just a sign of a sort of resurgent Liverpool? I, th- I think that's a reasonable result for City, especially how they're swatting aside everyone else that's, you know, further down the table to go away to... Liverpool, you know, a team that's going to be on the, on the fringes of the Champions League. I think that's a, a pretty reasonable result for them. I don't think they'll be too concerned. I mean, especially with, as we'll get on to, Man U slipping up in, in what should have been an easier game for them. Yeah, I must, well, obviously Man United won all for Newcastle. Newcastle, uh, you know, certainly showing that it's no fluke where they are. Um, no. One all draw away at uh, Man United, although it has to be said they were helped by a, an awful line assistant referee's decision yeah Fergie not happy about that I mean what a surprise yeah. I mean it was a textbook tackle from Rio Ferdinand if yeah. you're going to show a young kid how you are supposed to tackle as a centre back uh, you know with the right foot yeah. take the ball cleanly you know don't follow through with your other foot um, and the linesman saw something different the referee didn't give it linesman gave it and you know, and he was closer so the referee uh, changed his decision Um Mm. Swansea City Villa obviously this game was, was massively overshadowed happening only a, an hour or so after the news of Gary Speed's passing uh, came through and obviously poignantly being in Wales there was a lot of feeling in this game and, and from a Villa perspective as well Shay Given who obviously played with him for, for his time at Newcastle was, was 
visibly upset by it. And um, did himself proud though, Shay Given though, didn't he? Yeah, had a great game. Uh, had a great game. Um, I'm not sure what Emil Heskey's excuse was. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Where was he playing? Oh, he... he's playing in the number 10 role. Oh, we're sort of nominally playing a 4-2-3-1 with Agbonlahor on one side and Zogby the other and Emil in the hole behind Darren Bent. There was one point where Agbonlahor rolled a ball to him in the number 10 position about 25 yards out. It took him five touches to get it under control. And then once he'd got it under control and steadied himself, his next touch lost control of it again and he got dispossessed. At which point, it's 5.30 in the morning, I wake my missus up by shouting at the TV, going, you're useless. Yeah. Any sort of level of entertainment. Is, is, he, is he the main outlet now? Oh, so, I think the, the stats came in when um, Barry Bannon came on with 12, I think 12 minutes to go, 20 or maybe 20 minutes to go. He... Out on, on every single passing stat, touches on the ball, successful passes, forward passes, passes in the final third. Modern football. He out passed yeah. Emil Heskey's 70 minutes on the pitch in, oh. in just under 20 minutes on the pitch. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, but it must just be so frustrating. But anyway, that was nil-nil. Um, Thomas Vermaelen uh, joined a, a band of, well, I was surprised, it's over 30 players. That have scored at both ends in the Premier League. There, there must be a psychology to that, isn't there? If you've scored an own goal, that there's yeah, an yeah, extra that, little yeah, impetus that. to score yourself. Uh, so he's he uh, late equaliser to, um, to to snatch a point from Fulham, who had looked good. It was a good game, actually. Um, Fulham played well. Mm. Uh, Chelsea um, got their season back on track, although it, it sort of come off a bit um, by losing to Liverpool in the... Carlin Cup this week, but uh, 3-0 win against Wolves, poor Wolves side has to be said. Yeah, I think that's it was a routine win, like it should be really for them. Uh, Stoke, 3-1 against uh, Blackburn, heaping the pressure on Steve Keane, who's been rewarded with a new deal. <laughs> Quite extraordinary. Um, Sunderland, <laughs> let's see Sunderland, obviously as we uh, recall this, Steve Bruce was sacked this morning uh, by real, Sunderland and has been relieved of his position. Um, I mean, it was an awful. If you're going to lose to someone at home to as your last game, you don't want it to be Wigan. No, no. It's, well, that that really and the highlights it. Nature of that last yeah. goal, uh, keeper. <laughs> it's an awful pass. Yeah, exactly. To the defender who t- took it about throat high, then got robbed. Yeah. And then the square ball, and the player just fell over like in slow motion. The beautiful game. And then <laughs> the Sunderland fans were booing before it went in the net. <laughs> Yeah, special. And so, uh, there was no way he was coming back from that, Steve Bruce. Yeah, I was reading a blog in the PVC where they're saying about ever since they sold Darren Bent, um, they've never really recovered. I mean, he's the type of player that's not easy to, to replace an English striker that scores a regular amount of goals. And they lean so heavily on his goals that, um, you know, they tried to replace him with um, getting in that young lad from Ipswich and stuff. But, you know, he's still a little bit raw and... Um, yeah, it was. It wasn't going to be easy, but I, I still think that you know I'm not a massive Steve Bruce fan. I still think that's a a little bit harsh on him because they did finish tenth last season, and it's re- you know reasonably early days. They're, they're not in the relegation zone. It's, and, well, it's, I mean, if they get Martin O'Neill in, then okay, perhaps fair enough. That was or you know fine. But if, if they don't get a, a big name manager, then perhaps I would have given him a little bit more time. Okay. Um, QPR lost away at uh, Norwich. Norwich continuing their promising start. They're in 10th. Everton continue to confound 
the critics, the financial situation of the club, the size of the squad, the fact yeah. they've got no strikers. <laughs> 11 uh, players. Two to win against Bolton, against, uh, you know, talking about managers under pressure. Owen Coyle's certainly under pressure there now. I mean, another manager that was being talked about in a, in a light that he'll, he'll go on and, and achieve sort of much greater things. I think that was... Um, Jack Wiltshire's point, wasn't it, when he worked under him, said he's yeah. a great coach, but no offence to Bolton, he, he's destined to bigger things, is what he said in four four two. But at the moment, he's he's destined for a season relegation battle. I mean, it's, it's the home record that's just They've incredible. Lost six out of seven games at home. Uh, and, you, you know, I mean, that, for, for most teams, the, the bedrock of what you're going to do that season is your home form. So unless they can find a way to win at home... Worst home, uh, home record in the league. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in real trouble. West Brom, uh, Tottenham, who are probably the form team in the Premier League. Uh, 3-1, Adebayor with a couple of goals, Defoe with a cracker. Um, I mean, Spurs' form, since losing the two opening games uh, mm. to Man City and Man United, and you know, Man City was a thumping at White Hart Lane, they've won nine and drawn one. Yeah, the incredible. next 10 games. The, well, they've got a game in hand, game home, in hand. home to ever, where they can leapfrog Man U. Absolutely, you know, so... Um, you know, it, if we're talking about Man United as challengers, you know, Man City's challenge, surely Spurs have got to be in that bracket now. You know, they, they went to West Brom and won without um, Modric and Van der Vaart. Van der Vaart, yeah, main, main players missing and, and a tough game against a West Brom team that have been playing well recently. So, yeah, I mean, it, it still seems a little bit hard to talk. To, I, I think if you took City out of it, then they'd be more serious title contenders, but I, I still think they'll, they'll go some, or anyone's got to go some distance to catch up with City. But at least it's making the four four two contingent and all around the world happy. Yeah. Four four two Spurs contingent, of which there's plenty. Incredible race, as we were saying last week, for the top four. It's you know, intriguing how it's going to pan out. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's have a quick look at the ladder. Uh, Man City top, 35 points, five points back on Man United, two points back Spurs. Then Newcastle on 26, Chelsea on 25, Liverpool and Arsenal on 23, and then a, a fairly big gap of seven points back to Villa and Everton on 16. Uh, bottom of the table, Blackburn, seven points, Bolton and Wigan in the uh, other relegation spots on nine, and then the, the two-point gap to Sunderland and Wolves on 11. All right, let's fast forward to this weekend's games. Uh, Saturday, early game, Newcastle versus Chelsea, cool. another big test of Newcastle's credentials. They've... Uh, they drew with Spurs. They drew with Man United. Trev, can they uh, can they heap pressure on AVB? Completely, you know, fascinating early game this weekend because a uh, Newcastle team that are proving that they're better than many expected, and a Chelsea team that just continues to have a run of you know poor results. I mean, out find themselves out of the Carlin Cup. Um, it, it's the latest problem, and um, I've, I've, I'm going to back Newcastle to win. Well, if you did, Sporting Bet, if you want to have a look at Sporting Bet, they got Newcastle $3.70 okay. to win. $3.45 a draw, Chelsea $1.95. Well, no, I think, well, I mean, at least a draw is certainly worth looking at there. Um, Blackburn, Swansea. Uh, Blackburn are $2.15 to win at home. Um, the draw is $3.25 and Swansea is $3.35. Um, yeah, exactly the kind of game that... Blackburn need to win. I mean, they've only got one home win all season. That was bizarrely against Arsenal when they were really going through that that wobble. Um, and uh, I think that might be a draw, that one, though. The Swansea haven't won away from home yet. They've uh, they've drawn two and lost four on their travels. So, uh, you know, that would be their first away win of the season, which I guess uh, explains the odds there. Um, Man City at home to Norwich, you'd say uh, nailed on home win there. Yeah, I, th- I think Norwich will, will go there and 
as the cliche goes, give a good account of themselves. But yes, City will have far too much. Man City a dollar eighteen, not even worth looking at. Six dollars twenty five the draw, fifteen bucks Norwich. Uh, QPR, I'm to West Brom. Uh, it's a tough two, one. That's a tough one to call. This is really in that sort of what you probably term the third tier of the of the league. You know, probably you know you're looking like these sides probably too good to go down. You would think, but um, but you know that this is important. Picking up points in these sorts of games now, it, it can do so much to staying in this league. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of managers talk about that 40 points. Let's get to 40 points. These are two of those teams that will be looking at that. Uh, how do you think this one will go, Trev? Um, I, I might sit on the fence of a draw, but um, it, it's QPR have been pretty unpredictable, as have West Brom, even though they've improved in recent weeks. But I think they might cancel each other out. $3.30 you can get on the draw. QPR $2.25. West Brom $3.10 on Sporting Bet. Um, Spurs at home to Bolton. Mm. Tottenham a dollar thirty to draw five bucks. Bolton ten bucks. Difficult to see beyond a, a home win here. Yeah, I mean almost as guaranteed. I'd say pops even more guaranteed than the Man City win over Norwich. I definitely <sighs> might think. come back to haunt you. A statement just, like that. <laughs> definitely think Tottenham will win. All right, Wigan Arsenal. Uh, Wigan five dollars seventy five to uh, to back up from their win against Sunderland by taking care of the arse. Draw three dollars ninety. Arsenal dollar fifty six. Um, Arsenal have had a bit of a torrid time at Wigan in recent years, haven't they? Yeah, I was thought yeah dollar fifty. I was like, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, no, I know. I think they'll. I can. I can see a, a disappointing draw for Arsenal there, and a, a big point for Wigan, even though it's just the one. Okay, the glamour tired around. <laughs> um, yeah. Villa at home to Man United. Struggling to remember the last time we would be five dollars twenty five to win at home. <laughs> Um, draw three dollars sixty-five. Man United a dollar sixty-five. Frustratingly, I can't really see too much wrong with those odds. <laughs> Trev, is this the moment when it, when it all clicks? Is this the moment when Emil Heskey turns himself into uh, a, you know fantasista? Yeah, I was going to say stranger things have happened, but really. then I couldn't think of any examples. Yeah. Um, Good times to be playing Man U though. Obviously, obviously they they lost uh, this morning to uh, to Crystal Palace in the. Carlin Cut wasn't a full strength side, but mm. he was still, you know. Well, I, don't, I don't, I don't think you'll you'll get thrashed there, and there might be the odd the odd goal in it, but um, I think it'll be reasonably close. I might, I might go two one menu. Okay, uh, Sunday's games: Everton uh, entertain Stoke. Uh, critical game for both sides. Stoke on a bit of a were on a bit of a, a bad run, although they got back to winning ways against Blackburn. But I mean, obviously Blackburn bottom of the league, so this will be a big test for Stoke to go to Everton. Yeah, uh, we talked about Everton continuing to. Find, to dig deep and well, ninth in the find league. that spirit, you it's know, unbelievable. Um, and, and I'd say that Everton and Stoke are, are two of the better also-ran teams in the league, so it, it should be a, a pretty good clash. But yeah, I think Ever- Everton will continue to find the odds and win. Okay, Everton are $1.71 on Sporting Bet. Uh, the draw's $3.55 and Stoke's $4.85. Mm. Probably the value bet of the weekend, I'd say. Um, Wolves entertain Sunderland. Oof, should be a Classic. Um, <laughs> managerless, managerless desperate sides. Go to Wolverhampton. Four o'clock on Sunday. Um, both sides locked on 11 points. Trev. Yes. What have I got to say about this game? Um, I, th- I think Wolves um, strike me as one of those teams that get enough 
sort of wins at home against poor sides to stay up. And this will be exactly the type of game that I think they'll probably win. $2.40 they are to win. Um, draw $3.25, Sunderland $2.90. And to close out the round, Monday, Tuesday morning, our time, Fulham entertain Liverpool. Now, normally a pretty tough place to go, but Liverpool uh, ran riot there last season. And it, was, it was a night that um, Mark Schwartz will want to forget when he had an absolute shocker. Um, but, you know, traditionally Fulham, very tough to beat at home, although their home form's actually not been great this year. They've uh, won one, drawn three, lost two. How do you see this one go? I was under the impression Fulham's home form was a lot better than that because they've got a reputation for being um, incredibly hard to beat at Craven Cottage. I think I'm going to tip a draw, which wouldn't be ideal for Liverpool because it's the type of game they need to win. OK, you get $3.20 for that. A Fulham of $3.40 and Liverpool $2.15. All right, that's it for our Premier League roundup. We'll be back in part four to preview round nine of the Hyundai A-League. The December issue of 442 magazine is on sale now. Inside is a special report on the reignited Manchester rivalry as Man U and Man City do battle for the EPL title. We speak to Ashley Young and Sergio Aguero about the contest. Elsewhere, we interview misfiring Chelsea striker Fernando Torres, catch up with Socceroo hotshot Josh Kennedy, plus interview Han Berger, Tony Rigo and Billy Mamet. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider. Trev, we're now looking at round nine of the Hyundai A League and Adelaide as sort of traditional kickoff proceedings on a Friday night. Yeah. Do you think that's uh, is that a potentially a disadvantage for them? Playing before everyone else, so they don't know the results. Yeah. Don't know what they need to do. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's are we looking pr- in too deep? Pr- yeah, perhaps rarely be accused of that. Um, you know, perhaps, perhaps it's too early in the season for for that. You know, that to be a concern, really. Um, I mean, it's it, they used to sort of spread a lot of the games around, like you'd have like a load of Fridays, and it's not like the Mariners are playing most of their games on Saturday nights. I think. Yeah, well, I think the, I think the, the clubs are now sort of zoned in on what works for them in their market but I thought the Mariners were more of a sort of family club so a Saturday night doesn't strike me as family night out (laughs) well yeah perhaps I suppose it's it's not as rowdy as you know what another different Saturday nights would be but yeah yeah Adelaide you know loads of Friday games not particularly working well for them at the moment though Um, and that's this is an interesting test for them actually the the Mariners come down a a red hot form Mariners as well Um, but I, I, I can see Adelaide getting a draw here a sporting bet have got it absolutely too close to call. Yeah. $2.60, right. Adelaide, $2.60, Central Coast, $3.30 to draw. Yeah, that's, that's, that's about right. It's pretty hard to separate. Okay, Perth, uh, kick off uh, against Gold Coast, 7pm Saturday, uh, at the NIB Stadium. Critical game for Perth, you'd, you'd think, after a couple of disappointing results. Need for, to get back to winning ways. For both teams, both teams are you know, desperately in need of a, of a win. I mean, Gold Coast find themselves already a little bit cut off at the bottom. They can't afford that margin to get any bigger. Perth, who started so well, uh, much like last season, um, almost feel like they're in free fall again now. Um, so this is a, a hugely important game for them. Shane Smeltz gets his old team. Like to score. Nailed on goal. Yeah, nailed on goal. So I'm, I'm going to go Perth. Yeah, OK. Uh, sporting bet, I've got Perth, $1.85. Gold Coast, $4.10. The draw, $3.50. Uh, the Jets, bit hit and miss since Gabriel Edmond's gone back there. But they'll be looking... Uh, they'll, look, they'll fancy this. Melbourne victory coming to town. 
Um, I think they'll be up for this. Should be a decent crowd there. Yeah, I think the Jets will win. Um, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say that quite confidently. They've, they've been excellent at home. Um, victory still a some way from, from clicking to me. But even the games Victory have won this season, um, they haven't looked overly impressive. Not an easy place to go. Like you say, good crowd. Jets win. Are they going to click at one point? Do we think Victory are going to absolutely spank someone at one point? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, there'll be that one team that nobody wants in the finals. Even if they scrape in at sixth, you don't want to play them because if, you know, Hernandez, Thompson and Harry have a storm and then they'll tear you apart. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle are $2.50. Melbourne victory $2.70. The draws $3.30 on centre bet. Um, obviously also Melbourne in action on Tuesday night against uh, David Beckham's LA Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Heading down for that. We've done the match day programmes for that, which you can... Uh, you can buy online, uh, store, uh, if you can't get to the game. Um, Melbourne Heart, sorry about that plug. Melbourne Heart, um, entertain Wellington Phoenix. Uh, this is on Sunday. Um, Trev, intriguing one, this. Uh, Wellington should be buoyed by that win. Traditionally don't travel very well. Heart, you know, as we talked about, sort of not probably playing better than their results have, uh, have shown. Yeah, I mean, Heart, Heart have improved rapidly you know um and i think they were a little bit unfortunate last week in you know way to the mariners is, is one of the toughest games of the season so still feel that they played well there and and i think that they'll return to minimum winning ways our outer more well for their regional round game oh uh, yeah um, yeah the tribe city stadium exactly yeah, yeah. and um yeah like you say wellington don't travel particularly well with paul weifel back in the team though they've They've got that wild card, and they've got the player that could, you know, help them pick up points on the road. Um, but yeah, I, I think Hart, Hart yeah. victory. Melbourne Hart two dollars and five cents to win. Wellington three dollars fifty, and the draw three dollars thirty. Uh, another team not playing at home, but for different reasons, is Sydney FC. They're uh, playing down my neck of the woods at uh, Cogra Oval because of Eminem. Because of Eminem being at the SFS. Um, they uh, entertain the Brisbane Roar. Juggernaut rolls in. Trev um, expecting a big crowd there. There was talk in the papers today that um, that the uh, the game has been outselling significantly the game at um, at the SFS, and that ended up with a sixteen thousand crowd. Well, uh, big test, as um, you know, Dirk Melton said today in the in the press that you know um, they've sort of re, re you know with with the demise of Sydney Rovers before they actually came. What what Sydney SC did in pre- in preparation for that was to sort of really reconfirm where their heartland is, you know, yeah. and that stretches that eastern corridor from sort of Hornsby down to Sutherland, and they've been working closely with those associations to really connect. And uh, I think Cogger holds about twenty two thousand, and uh, the talk is is that it could even sell out. Wow, um, which would be uh, which would be fantastic and a really interesting exercise, which is you know. Sydney have played out at Parramatta before, but what they're saying is this is probably the first game they've taken into what they now consider to be their heartland of support. Exactly, and and, and even if you're you know not a Sydney fan, but it, it's Brisbane coming to town, yeah. isn't it? It's, yeah, it's yeah. the best team in the league possibly ever, um, on an incredible run. So you want to see them, you know, you want to see them play, but also you'd you'd want to see them there if if that record got you know um, stopped by anyone. So, well, yeah, that's that's... I'm, I'm taking four or five people to the game that have not been this season. And, uh, you know, the sell was, it's close. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and it's close. Come and watch this Brisbane side. They actually play really, really good football. Exactly. Um, Sydney got a few players missing. Um, Scott Jamison's uh, suspended. 
Um, chatting to him yesterday. I thought you were going to say his confidence was shot after you destroyed him yesterday. <laughs> Not as quick as he thought he was. Um, yeah, he did. I mean, he was saying picked up five yellow cards in in eight games. He's not a dirty player. He's, he's saying that you know the the last one was just a shoulder barge. It, you know, it was it was nothing really. So um, he's missing that. Bridge is likely to be out, and Terry Antonis has got Achilles problems. So they're three um, pretty important players for yeah. what's going to be you know the toughest game of the season certainly at home. And do you see Sydney getting anything from this? No. Okay, Brisbane are a dollar eighty five uh, to win on Sporting Bet. Sydney four dollars ten. The draw, $3.50. Um, so that, that's round nine. Um, Sydney FC are in action again on Wednesday night at home to Perth Glory at Campbelltown Stadium, and this is part of the community round. That's the, yeah, that's the, the yeah, the regional round. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, you know, two two important games, and especially after losing a couple on the bounce, and if you lose to, you know, Brisbane, which is not necessarily much shame in, then you've lost three on the spin, and that Perth game becomes um, huge, but... Um, I, I can see Sydney beating Perth, but I think they will lose three on the trot against Brisbane and then bounce back against Perth. Okay. All right. That is it for this week. Uh, get out, enjoy your uh, enjoy your football, get out, support your uh, local A-League team, get down to Cogra if you're in Sydney for uh, for uh, the return of Brisbane Raw this season. So let's see if Sydney can, uh, can end the run. Um, enjoy your football. We'll be back next week to pick the bones out of everything that goes on this weekend. Uh, and up to next Thursday. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.